Hey team, welcome to another episode of the Intentional Agribusiness Leader Podcast. The podcast where we actually explore the minds of leaders from all around the agriculture and agribusiness space about what it takes to lead intentionally in this industry today. My friends, if there's some value in here for you today, we ask you to subscribe to the podcast, share this with someone who needs to hear the message of what it takes to be intentional. Let's get into the show. All right. I am super, super happy, grateful, and excited to have Holly Bunn with us here today from Grower's Edge. Holly, thank you for taking the time to be on the podcast with me. Hey, thanks for the invite, Mark. I look forward to the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Holly, opening question today is uh, the same one I give everybody. What does it mean for you to be intentional? For me to be intentional, and I'm going to respond to most of these questions, they'll apply both in my personal life and my professional life. I really don't see a difference. Um, when I think about being intentional, um, you know, in the simplest terms is that it's not haphazard in the way that I approach what I'm doing. Um, not necessarily, you know, have a predetermined outcome, but there there's thought that will go into it um, prior to whatever activity that is. And I, you know, think about just, you know, like my personal health, it's not by chance, you know, that I choose the certain things that I choose to eat or the exercise that I do. There is a, and, and for me, it's so natural with that intentionality. It's almost, I don't even, you know, I don't even pause and think about it. Um, it goes really close hand in hand for me with that is persistence. Um, you know, really having a goal, something that I'm focused on and then staying with that. So I see those two as hand in hand. So Holly, you, you, you said, I want to go back to something that you said at the onset here, because there was, uh, you mentioned that about there being no difference for you between the, the, the work version of yourself and the home version of yourself. So uh, t- talk to me a little bit about that, um, because in, 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 to qualify that, what I hear from a lot of people coming to our leadership programs is we really struggle with work-life balance. I really need help with that. Um, and, and so that seems, it seems like you got a little philosophy there. So talk to us about that. I do. I want to be, and this is, it comes right back to your word of intentionality. I want to be fully present when I'm at work and very focused on what I'm doing there. And the exact same thing when I'm not at work. So when I am not at work, I'm not thinking about work very often. Now I'm like everybody, there'll be a situation that may carry over and I may, you know, stay awake a couple hours pondering and thinking about it. But on the day to day, it absolutely does not come in and impact my home life because I do intentionally stay very focused with the people that I'm with to be present with them. So I really almost, it is, I literally turn off the switch, the work switch. When I wake up in the morning, I'm go and I go at it hard and I'll go all day long. And at the end it's done and I don't look back and I don't pick it back up until the next morning. I love that. And and I would love for more people to master that. Has there been any sort of process for you to be able to, to build the capacity <laughs> to be able to turn it off or turn it on? Um, I know my, even my three o'clock brain, sometimes 3am brain wakes up and it's like, right. I can't turn it off, <laughs> but is there some, anything that you've done over the years to kind of help yourself build that capacity, that muscle to be able to do that? I'd say the, honestly, the first thing is give my 
self grace when I do have that occasional time that something lingers over and stays mm -hmm. with me. So I think being very, you know, understanding of myself as I am with others. And that's one of the things that I do is that I think, you know, how would, how would I react if I was talking to someone else and then really carry that forward for myself? So when I'm, you know, there with my children and they're wanting to tell me about their day, now they're, they're more grown. So it's a very different type of conversation that we have, but in order to be able to be responsive and add value to their life and be connected, I can't be carrying on the thoughts that I have in the head about what do I need to do with this situation I'm at work. So it was relatively easy for me when my children were young to say, I just have to be there with them. Now, clearly I'll say on the other side, and that's very defined on the work side of it is that I have to be at work and I'm going to give it my full attention and then not be distracted. And again, grace when there's an emergency and, you know, I have to leave early. That's just going to happen because my kids needed me. So it was, you know, really just awareness. And I'd say at the, at the root of a lot of the things that I do is seeking um, to increase my awareness about my impact on others. And yeah. I've been through lots of different types of coaching and a lot of reading. And, and I, you know, that it's kind of cliche, you know, that feedback is a gift, but I look at feedback as keeping me true to the person that I want to be to make sure I'm impacting people that I want to, because I can't always do it. I sometimes fail. I don't show up in my best version of myself, or I was still thinking about something at work. I wasn't really present. I ask for feedback so I can really meet the person that I aspire to be with the help of others. Yeah. That's a beautiful description and I love it. And I'm going to leave that right there. <laughs> I want to talk about this next thing. So most organizations um, that I have been uh, running into around the agribusiness space are, are struggling with talent retention, uh, whether that be in the retail space, manufacturer space. Um, I'm not sure how it's, uh, you know, ag tech maybe is a little bit early uh, to, to tell uh, in some ways, but what, what are you guys doing at Growers Edge to be intentional about retaining talent and growing your talent base? And to your point, it probably is a little bit different in the ag tech you know, space than it is the other agriculture. And having grown up on a farm, I'm very sensitive and understand the other side of that as well. Um, but I do see, you know, a difference because there is some attraction just to be a part of something that is a little bit new, you know, cutting edge that you might put into ag tech and can give you an ability to retain people. Um, but it, it doesn't necessarily mean that people are satisfied and want to be in that type of job. So that's one of the things that I really look for is to learn what do people want to do? What do they aspire to do? And is it a good fit for what we have? Because I can't, you know, I can't just shift and create the position that you're looking for. This is the job that we have and spend a really good time prior to coming into the organization to understand what are your dreams, your aspirations? What are you seeking to influence? And does that line up with what we are seeking to do for that role? So I'd say at the core of it is really spending enough time with individuals <clears throat> prior to coming to the organization um, mm. to make sure that our aspirations, <clears throat> excuse me, line up with their aspirations. Yeah. Then once they're here, you know, I think we are very intentional as an organization. Um, but it's unique when I would, you know, talk about the ag tech space because there, there is a lot of, um, 
business side of it, not just the technology side of it. So we we attract business leaders or people that from the business that want to learn more about the technology side of things. So there's a give and take as you think about the different type of folks that you bring in and what is of true value to them. So every year we do an assessment, take a look at what our benefits are and make sure that we keep those in tune with the people that we have and the folks that we want to retain in the organization. So again, it comes back to that feedback rich environment you know, what do you like, you know, and what's their favorite benefit? What comes to top of mind? So we know what those are um, and make sure that we can keep those. And sometimes we have to sacrifice something else being a relatively small company. We can't offer everything. So we really work hard to balance that out and make sure that what we believe is of most value actually is of most value. Yeah. I, lo- I love the, the fact that you're actually ground truthing. Um, what's important. I think, I think a lot of leaders think, Hey, this is going to be a great idea, you know, a great idea. Let's go, you know, let's roll this way, you know, and let's, let's do this. I think that's where a lot of like the, um, the, the bean bags and the ping pong table things of like the early two thousands came from, <laughs> right? right. Hey, this, this, you know, this company did this and they posted it in fast company. And so I think that's going to be a good idea. Let's, and then all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the ping pong table industry took off because people are putting this in, you know, corporate offices all over. And the reality was nobody really cared I mean, <laughs> about the, it wasn't about the ping pong table, right? Like, let's be honest. So right. actually ground truthing it. I'm, I'm so I'm curious, like super curious. Are you finding anything? Are there any trends that are interesting that you're saying like, this is what our employees are telling us. This is what they're really valuing. What What's coming through for, for them? You know, what stands out and it comes back to that earlier comment you made about the work-life balance is there's a lot of conversation about a year-round four-day work week. Oh, and wow. And that's, you know, that's something that, that we, you know, are taking under consideration. Um, and it's important to, um, you know, we always talk about generations, but I think it's important to every generation, no matter where they are, that they, yeah. they do have that work-life balance. And, you know, can you run an organization and meet your objectives um, you know, with a four day week and what does that day look like? Is it truly, you know, is it a 10 hour day or is it still an eight hour day? So those are some of the things that we're wrestling with as we look at considering, you know, balancing the needs of what the organization can do versus perhaps what, you know, all the employees would like. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's super interesting. Uh, you know, when, when we were first building our business, I mean, that was, we just had a, an unlimited PTO was the was the name right and it's like we were a small team i mean half a dozen people pre-covid and we just said you know hey everybody's here's a you know we're we're all adults everybody's you know educated everybody wants to be here i mean those are the first and that's some of the stuff you talked about right like is it a good fit is you know do we have the same aspirations are we pulling the same direction it's a little bit different when you get people that are resentful of being there of course they're going to take advantage of a policy like that which is why i believe intention is so important but it also to run an intentional organization i think is actually more challenging in many ways uh, than maybe a traditional organization that just solely relies on systems and processes and like hard, you know, HR lines to, you know, this is, this is how you can, and this is how you can't. But the policy was like, just don't let it interfere with, with anybody else's time. Right. So if you are going to go take a week vacation, great prep your team, right. Make sure that everybody else around you is ready 
for you to be gone. That's part of the job if you know, if you want to continue to have this kind of a system. So uh, that that's interesting. The four day week thing is is interesting to me. I wonder how many people would work Friday anyway. <laughs> Even right. If they, right. So uh, yeah. what about? Um, you know, ad, I mean, I feel like a lot of the agribusiness space is, you know, has a lot of work at home. People all like we've done that for a long time, right? That doesn't seem super new to me, but are you guys, you know, struggling? I'm sure you guys are spread across space. What's the, how, how is that working for you guys? It's funny you went right into that, Mark, because your earlier comment led me to think about, you know, intentionality and communication where, you know, if you're going on a week, you know, vacation and make sure you've yeah. communicated to your team. Um, and it occurred to me as you were saying that is that, you know, by and large, we have a remote team. We do have a headquarters, but the majority of our employees are remote. And, you know, when I built the lending team here, it was by design entirely remote. And we then therefore need to be much more intentional with our communication. Otherwise, you know, those, those smaller conversations that you might have or just spending time with people, you have to be intentional about that. And you know, it's communication is an easy catchphrase for, you know, there's, there's challenges, right? You know, you can never communicate enough. And, you know, but we also can't spend our entire time just communicating, we might spend it working together, but have our cameras on and be able to talk through it and whatnot. So we look for um, ways to stay very connected. And I will say too, at the same time, it is fantastic to meet people in person, you know, to come together and do that and have some blend of it. Um, but to your point, a lot of the folks that, you know, work at Growers Edge had already experienced remote working prior to, you know, 2020. So it was pretty seamless to shift into that space. And then we just look to be creative um, and have to, you know, empower everyone at every level, you know, leaders and whatnot to find ways to stay connected with folks. And, you know, as I do performance reviews, you know, with the executive team, one of my common comments is make sure you're reaching out and just spending casual time with other employees that are not within your department because we do have a lot of people that are remote and just have some of that you know have a lunch with folks I, I tend to have a lunch or a breakfast or a happy hour which just means bring a drink and they usually make fun of my shaker that I have with you know protein drink in it because yeah. that's my drink but just to let people know that I'm just here you know let's just talk let's just have a conversation and not have it always be just about the particular task that we have at hand. Cause we've got a lot of tasks and we go into meetings, you know, meeting after meeting, addressing those tasks, mm-hmm. but with intentionality, breaking that up with a little bit of time that we're just spending some time together. Right. I, I think that's so important, especially in the virtual environment <clears throat> because we, so we, we used to have a cadence uh, up to about 2019 and, you know, things got, you know, changed a lot after 2020, of course, but, um, we we would bring every 90 days and we just had it on the calendar you know we obviously a very small team but we would bring everybody in and we would do a workout together uh, we'd spend a day just connecting going over some you know some priority things discussing the things that were there have a dinner next morning everybody gets on a plane and goes home and just bring i mean it wasn't a huge cost but when you think about the cost of that versus having an actual office building and what you would pay the 20 to 30,000 a year lease minimum, right. And probably more right. uh, yeah. for a simple space, you know, you're, you're going to have, I mean, you could just spend that on bringing your people together, you yeah. know, just yeah. reinvest yeah. it. But I think, I think a lot of companies have thought, well, we can go away from having our big office lease 
<laughs> right. And then, you know, and, and certainly we're not speaking, I mean, in ag retail, everybody's got multiple, multiple locations. You got, you know, lots of, you know, physical assets or, you know, in the, on the, um, uh, the supplier side of the industry, obviously, I mean, it's going to be that way on the livestock side, you're going to have a lot of physical spaces, but as, as I think this ag tech space, um, continues to expand as the service, the, the services, you know, side of the agribusiness uh, industry expands and uh, people think, well, you know, companies start looking, well, where, where can we, where can we cut? Well, okay, sure. Maybe you can cut back on commercial space. That seems to be the trend across the country in all industries right now. However, <laughs> like that doesn't, I, I don't think it all just gets to go to the bottom line, right? Like it's, it's some part of this has got to be bringing your people back together for intentional time and, and, and uh, connection. We like, we're humans. We crave that connection. Absolutely. Yeah. And that value. Yeah. If it's just a bottom line, you know, challenge, you know, that you're looking just to reduce costs, then you're really cutting out your people and to figure out yeah, how can you give some of that back for the benefit of the whole. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'd love to get your take on so how how do how do we do a better job of developing managers, right? Mid-level managers to executive level managers to be able to manage those connections, whether it's across distance or maybe even just maybe in a physical location. What what have you seen that's worked in your years across, you know, Agstar and in the banking world and and now with Growers Edge? So um what what are some of those good managers done to help really keep people engaged, coaching them, moving them forward. Um, and I think the, the, the reason I'm asking this question is I think now in a more virtual space, it's more important than ever that our managers be really good at that instead of just pushing paper or just moving, you know, other things forward. <laughs> so you're not asking this question for part of where I'm going to go with the answer that would be benefit to type of some of the work that you do, Mark, but I will say um, intentional coaching for middle managers is invaluable. Mm -hmm. It was for me when I was a middle manager. Um, I desperately needed it when I talk about that lack of self-awareness, you know, where are those blind spots? There were some things I was really, really good at <laughs> some things that I wasn't, but I was able to ignore those things that I wasn't good at or dismiss them as opposed to, you know, as I continued to increase the responsibilities that I had as a leader um, to learn about the impact of those and they would really hold me back. So the first thing that I suggest is some sort of coaching. It may come from just within your organization. It doesn't necessarily have to be outside, but you know, really having an objective peer group or intentional coaching is absolutely at the top of the list for me. Um, outside, outside of that is, um, again, it comes back to your, you know, your whole podcast point here is intentionality, not leaving it to chance. You know, when you do see a place where you can help someone and share that feedback, I like to do that as quickly in the moment as I can, as opposed to, you know, I do have weekly one-on-ones with, with the leaders on my team and we encourage that through the entire organization. But, you know, if something just came up and it's super fantastic and I want to give that feedback, then, you know, I'm just going to pick up the phone or, you know, dial through <laughs> Zoom and say, hey, you know, let me give you some feedback. It was really cool how you did this presentation or whatnot. And then the same tide on the more challenging feedback said, hey, you know, did you notice this? This is something that resonated with me because, you know, when when we come out of the moment, I think, you know, people are going to be much more open because they can directly connect to what was even versus just saving it for a week. So, you know, I'll have a hit list for a week where we'll have a little task, you know, and we'll want to check mark those things off. But those more impromptu conversations, I think, are essential 
Um, so that's one of the things that I lean on is that I don't save it up um, in the moment. I, I try to give people feedback and engage directly with them. Yes. Thank you for doing that, by the way. <laughs> I appreciate that. It's just, we, we, so often I see unintentional leaders who are just moving from moment to moment and we're all guilty of it. I and mean, we were built, you know, the mind immediately shifts to the next thing that you have to go do. And so you're not maybe fully present in that moment with that person for whatever reason. And, and, and we miss that golden opportunity and we just never know, like maybe they really needed that that day, whether it was positive feedback or constructive feedback, doesn't matter. Right. But just to know that somebody cared yeah. enough to notice and, and help yeah. me and help me grow. I, um, when, when I was, this is a, I was, it was very young and I was about to become a freshman at the university of Minnesota. I applied for a scholarship. Um, and, uh, the uh, there was a gentleman on the selection committee who knew me. He was an ag teacher uh, who knew me as an FFA kid, and uh, and he cornered me at the state FFA convention. And he said, "Hey, I read your, I read your application." And he said, "I know you." He said, "Don't you ever submit an application as poorly prepared as that is again? You are better than that." And to this day, like that has stuck with me. Like I write my proposals, like I spent extra time working on proposals to, to sometimes to my detriment. Cause I'll, I'll wait too long. Cause <laughs> uh, we have a system right. for, we had, to, we had to create a system, you know, so that we can do it quickly. So they still look nice and professional, but we can get them out quickly. Um, but I mean, that's now we're going back uh, a long time ago. So <laughs> since that was, it was like 25 years ago. And, it, you know, and that feedback from Mr. Funk still sticks with me to this day. And you just never know, like, I mean, to now look at, I mean, if, if I look at my work as meaningful, look how many people have been positively impacted because of something he said once, you know, right. Had- One time in the moment, way, yeah. way back when, and, and you mentioned, you know, constructive feedback, you know, versus, you know, just, you know, the, Hey, this went really well. And that's what usually sticks with us too, are those things that when we aspire to be able to serve others and do better, when you give that feedback, you really are. That's why you know, say that cliche yeah. part. It really is a gift because for you, look what it's done. So I'm a, I'm a real strong believer in that and seek the same for myself. Encourage those around me, please. I want the feedback. Yeah. Absolutely. Love it. I think that's something that about intentional leaders is we're, we're always looking for, Hey, how can I get a little bit better? How can I serve better? What can, you know, what will that look like? Um, we're not hiding. Uh, I know, and then I won't, I won't speak about women, but I know a lot of my fellow men hide <laughs> when it comes and to we this. all want to yeah. from time to time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're right. I mean, there's times when I would, yeah, I would certainly would rather just do that, but yeah in order to fulfill what I really aspire to do, I can't stay there, but you know, for a brief amount of time, but do I also go there? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about culture real quick. So uh, to me, it's something that we have to intentionally create. I'm just curious on your take, you know, how do you go about creating an intentional culture uh, within which your people get to work? When, when I share with the organization about culture, I really start with what what is valuable to me, what matters to me, and what type of environment I want to engage with. Just like I share, you know, where I want feedback. You know, I'm looking for a feedback-rich environment. Mm-hmm. And one piece that is important that it's not just about what I think, but really also gaining feedback from the organization. You know, at the role that I'm in right now, it is an interim role as CEO, and there was an impact on the culture 
when I came in just by virtue of being me, right? Just being different, didn't make it better or worse. It's just different. So it was important to share with the organization what matters to me, what's important to me. Why do I show up the way that I show up? Doesn't necessarily shift have any intentionality to shift the entire organizational culture, but there is a change there and people want to understand that. So um, based off of some feedback in the organization that they didn't have a solid sense of that, spent some time in town halls, be, you know, sharing that type of information about mm-hmm. this is what's important to me as we move forward. And then taking a step further, making sure that we are communicating with our board, this is what's important to them and how translating into how do those things impact the culture of the organization? You know, do we need to move quickly? Do we, do we shift? Do we set a path and we stay on that path or will we change as new information comes in? And being a startup, right? So I came from organizations that had existed for a hundred plus years. So a book that I keep handy is the Lean Startup. So it's sitting there all the time and I'm looking at it. So I can remember those things about that, you know, I might more naturally fall into a thought process for a legacy, long legacy type of organization versus the one that I'm sitting in here today and to try to catch those for myself. So those are the types of things that I like to bring forward within the culture of an organization. Lovely answer. And talk to me about town halls, because I thought that was really interesting, you know, to create that listening space when I'm envisioning a town hall, at least I'm envisioning a listening space. So uh, can you tactically just for people listening, can you talk us through how how that works? Yeah. So during the the transition, when I came into this role, and of course, people just, you know, wanted information, I recognize we have a monthly all employee meeting, where we give updates to the organization, where we are with our products. But um, myself and the executive team felt like we needed to communicate more frequently, and also gain feedback. So not only did we take questions during these town halls, we also asked employees to submit questions anonymously, so we could really (laughs) get to the root of what you really want to ask. Because sometimes, right, in a large group, you're not necessarily going to raise your hand and and want that out there in front of everyone that I'm the one that asked it. So we gave folks a space to be able to ask any question that they had and then committed to answering all of those, either during the town hall or afterwards in writing and and answering those questions. So it was a, 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 a conduit to be able to increase communication both directions. Now, we don't have those continuing at this point because it can get to where you're just repeating on the same, you know, topics and whatnot. But there's a point in time in the organization where we felt that it was really critical that we increase that type of communication. Hmm. I think that brings a lot of certainty to people, right? I mean, in giving them the space to hear the answers, I don't have to like the answers, but at least now I have information and then I can now, now I know where I'm going. <laughs> exactly. Which you, and as I say, you're exactly right. Cause it is certainty, you know, here is the answer. doesn't mean you're going to like it, you know, and it's typical. Somebody's going to like it and somebody isn't, that's okay. But at least now, you know, you've heard it, we've communicated um, and then continue to dialogue on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. In, in our work, we actually differentiate between certainty and confidence. Um, certainty we believe is a leading indicator of success in, in, in our th- driving leader work. And so um, basically what that means is when I show up with a greater level of certainty, I know that I know that I belong in the conversation. I know that I know that I belong here. I know that I know that I'm going to be okay, right? In this role. Confidence, I can BS, right? I can fake that. You're not wrong. Yeah. CEO can fake confidence, right? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But it doesn't mean that the P&L looks good, right? Or that, you know, 
that, that they know where they're taking us. And so when I, in ultimately as humans, like eventually we feel that out. And so, absolutely, you know, I love just having a space, like hold the space. I call it holding the space. And sometimes I get to hold the puke bucket out in front of people <laughs> and just let them like get it out. <clears throat> right. Yeah. And, then we, and then we can move on. That's part of my job as a leader is to let people, to help people heal just a little bit. Right. And so that we can move. It, it, yeah. You know, when we all talk about the, you know, that sometimes you just need to vent, you just need to get it out. You need to have a trusted confidant or someone that's disinterested or objective, such as a coach that you can just say these things and articulate it and then move on, leave it and then move on. So yeah, absolutely. And I find myself in my current role, it's challenging, um, you know, as I think about that. So I usually have to look for an external um, because when I vent, I don't want people to put too much weight in it. Cause you know, I just gotta, I just want to say this and then just be done and move on and get back to the space that, you know, where I need to be. Yeah. I, I understand. I have, I've played the role of priest to many an agribusiness <laughs> leader over the last decade. <laughs> so, um, at, at all levels, by the way, excuse me. I mean, we, I, sometimes we just have salespeople that just need to offload. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like the work just for them can't move forward until they feel better about this thing that's getting all their attention. And that's part of the messy, the messy side, right. Of the, of the leadership space. So absolutely. Holly, in our last few minutes, I want to do a little bit of a speed round. I just want to see if we can get through a few of these questions and just, you know, share some of your thoughts on, on this. And so you mentioned a book, the lean startup. I'm curious, are there any other books that people leaders ought to be reading uh, this year? Oh, this year. Um, another book that I keep in front of me there that is, is also good to great. So there's really important lessons in there. It's not a new book, but that's one that I really, you know, moving from good to great is super important to me. So I always pull that out. Um, and another classic is the leadership pipeline. Where am I with my leadership? What got me here and how do I need to shift of where I am today? That's also kind of like I say, another one of those work Bibles that I pull out and look and say, oh, I'm in a different role. And these are the types of things that I need to be thinking about. It might be easier for me to think about these other perspectives, but this is this is my current assignment and where do I need my headspace to be? So I, I um, there's a couple of books that I receive in the mail from some publishers and I read through those, but those are just some of the classics that I hold on to. Um, and I'm a voracious reader. I like to read usually about three books at a time. And my friends that are in the book clubs, they call my work. The books that I read for work is my self-help books because I'm always looking yep. <laughs> to improve myself. But I'm like, these, I wouldn't call them self-help, but we you know we get right down to it. They're, they're probably right. They really are self-help books. So yep. I didn't give you any new current ones because I really, um, like yeah. I said, I just read through those quickly. But then those are the ones that I think are classics that I come back to, to, to help me in the everyday. I love it. Uh, one of the reasons I love the question is because we all we all have our unique angles. Like we all interpret that data differently. It's all helpful, and a lot of this. I mean, if we're being honest, I mean, a lot of this is repeat ideas. It's just new people putting in in, in their perspective, right? Um, going back and now reading the you know the the Old Testament, like man, this has been being written for a long time. <laughs> no, no be- I think you're you're absolutely spot on because when you you know, and if you read, you know, you read a lot, you absolutely see the same patterns in there. You know, occasionally you find something like, hey, that's a whole new perspective. I really want to you know spend some time thinking about that. But then I also really like historical fiction. Um, I I just cannot get enough of it. So a favorite book that I'm reading right now is The Secret Life of Sunflowers. I just, for anybody that's like, I almost want to quit my job for a, a few days so I can finish reading the book. So 
but like I said, I like to read a couple of books at the same time. So that's a, a really, um, and I like to learn. So that's where those historical fiction can help make me think through and pick up something new that I didn't know previously. Mm-hmm. I love that, by the way. I um, We've been taking in, uh, we have a long drive to school, to and from school uh, to drop my kids off. And so we, I think last year we crushed like three different fiction series, you know, on Audible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so now my credits have renewed over the summer. And I, so did, I told the kids, I said, right, we got to find a new series because we got a lot of, <clears throat> we got a long ways to go. So, um, and I did get them to switch over to business podcasts last year a little bit too. So, all oh, right, uh, we're exactly. running, we're running out of time here, Holly. I want to, but I want to make sure, and I want to be respectful of your time, but I'm just curious, what's, what has been your biggest win as a leader? <clears throat> I think that'll be a good one to finish up on here. So I'm just curious, what's, what's been your biggest win, one of your big, or, or at least one of your big wins over the years? Biggest win for me as as a leader is when I have an entire team, say, you know, the sales team that I led or an executive team I led that are open and honest with each other and can debate the issues and help promote each other um, to advance whatever the objective is. That is absolutely the most rewarding um, work that I've done. I love it. That's so good. And I think a lot of people will resonate with that. So Holly, any last thoughts or, or things that you would want other leaders around the agribusiness space to know or understand uh, before we go? You know, having spent my entire life in, ag- well, virtually my entire life in agriculture and my entire professional career in an agribusiness is that, um, you know, it is time to step up. We have folks that have the ability and then lean on each other and look for coaches, either formal or informal. Um, I think it's absolutely invaluable, but that's an, that's something that you need to do intentionally. And I encourage everyone to do that. I love it. Perfect. Well, thank you. Thank you for being with me. Awesome. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. I hope today's episode brought you a great deal of value about what it takes to lead life and lead in this industry with intention. If you want to go deeper on the topic of leading with intention, I encourage you to head on over to intentionaltoolbox.com and get the seven free tools that will help you to lead your life in all areas with a greater deal of intention. That's intentionaltoolbox.com. And finally, if if this message resonated today, if there was something in here that you got value from, I promise you there's someone else in your life who also would get value from this. So please share the episode, share the podcast, and make sure that you subscribe.